you from Worcester Talking News, brought to you in conjunction with Worcester News and the Equipment Services for the Visually Impaired. Today we are bringing you news from Friday the 19th of January to today, January the 25th. Our team today are Sue Perry, Peter Carter, Lynn Seymour and myself, Kate Hudman. Our engineer is John Plush. All the administration and copying is done by Carol Hartle and her very hard-working team who endeavour to make sure your wallets reach you as soon as possible. That is uh, courtesy of um, <laughs> the, the uh, posted service and we do hope that you receive them sooner rather than later. And the service is entirely free to you all and includes a monthly magazine and the availability of talking books, which you may easily request by telephone or by a small note in your wallet when returning your memory stick. We endeavour to do all we can to assist you and we really love to hear from you with comments, good or even not so good. And donations, of course, are always very gratefully received as well as requests too. Our birthday book is now open. In a moment, I will ask Peter to take a look and then Lynn will follow with local entertainment. We will follow that with headlines and news items, including some sport. Useful telephone numbers follow our thought for the week and the obituaries at the end of our readings. So now, Peter, would you like to open the birthday book, please? OK. 26th of February is Harry Wardle. 1st of March is Michael Wynn. 2nd of March, Marjorie Pierce. 3rd of March, Stanley Burden. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Now, Lynn will entertain us. <laughs> In the matter of speaking. <laughs> Starting off with Malvern Theatre, the Malvern Concert Club are, are on the 28th of January and they have a far-flung trio, violin, accordion and double bass. And then on Sunday, the 4th of February, it's 7.30, UK Pink Floyd Experience. And they're celebrating 50 years since the release of their iconic album, The Dark Side of the Moon, UK Pink Floyd Experience. On Saturday, the 16th of March at 8pm, Count Arthur Strong in And It's Good Night From Him. An unmissable night of unbelievable entertainment for all the family, no pets allowed. At Worcester, Huntingdon Hall, on Saturday the 3rd of February at 7.30, it's Paul Jones and Dave Kelly. At the Swan Theatre, Dear England, that's a National Theatre Live viewing, Wednesday the 7th of February at 7pm. Again at the Swan Theatre, Thursday the 8th of February at 7.30, Sir Geoff Hurst. Swan Theatre again, Strauss Gala, that's Saturday the 10th of February at 7.30. And also to mention at the Swan Theatre, Soul Train to steam in. Fans of soul music are in for a treat when Soul Train steams into Worcester, featuring six lead vocalists, three male and three female. The show, which will take place on Friday, March the 22nd at 7.30 at the Swan, presents a mix of 60s and 70s soul classics, taking its audience back to the time when dance floors were all the rage. 
and also TV legends join forces. The legends are Nick Owen, Patrick Murphy and Jim Rosenthal. Three major broadcasters from the world of sport and entertainment are to join forces at an event in Worcester. Nick, Patrick and Jim will host Behind the Mic at Huntingdon Hall, really revealing snippets from their distinguished careers. And that's on Wednesday the 20th of March at the Norbury. We have Sleeping Beauty and that started on the 12th and it will finish on Saturday the 27th of January. And the time for that is 7.30pm. The Saturday matinees are 2.30. Number eight. Down for the Count presents A Century of Swing. That's Friday the 2nd of February at 7.30. And also at number eight, Havisham. Meet Miss Havisham, the most disturbing of Charles Dickens' Gothic creations. That's on Friday the 9th of February at 7.30. And last but not least, band are set to play gig at pub. Black Country regulars, Percy Veer Band, will head over to Worcester for a gig next month. The group is to play at The Feathers, The Tithing, on Friday, February the 16th from 9pm. Described as entertaining, artistic and different, its three mus musicians are embarking on their pantomime and the fourth wall tour of 2024. The band will also play at the Chestnut Tree on Saturday, March the 2nd and Saturday, June the 1st. That completes the entertainment in Worcester. Um, and now um, the uh, headlines from the papers this week. So Peter will start. Thugs are sentenced for a vicious assault. A gang of thugs have been sentenced for a vicious attack in, a, in which a man was glassed in a city street. Three men took part in the unprovoked attack which took place outside Tesco Express in Forgate Street. One of the gang was refused entry to Worcester Crown Court due to being drunk. Aaron Lamb, pictured left, 47 of Bromsgrove Street, Kidderminster, was given jail sentence while Damien Cowton Wright, 38 of no fixed abode, was able to walk from court after his jail sentence was suspended. Richard Davenport, prosecuting, said police had been called to the attack at 7.20pm on Sunday, August the 13th last year. He said police recovered CCTV played to the court, which showed Cowton had rained down five kicks on the victim who was sitting down at the time. Another of the gang, Keel Mansfield, 36 of Dart Road, Worcester, had then hit the victim before Lamb hit the victim over the head with the glass bottle. The prosecutor said the victim, who was sleeping rough and known to police, had refused to get medical attention and refused to speak to police, so was not supporting their prosecution. He explained the gang and the victim had been known to each other prior to the attack. The court heard an aggravating feature of the case was the previous convictions of the defendants, who both admitted assault occasioning actual bodily harm prior to the case. The court heard Cowton had six convictions for ten offences which include battery, harassment and robbery for which he served jail time. Lamb had 50 convictions for 141 offences including ABH, possession of a bladed article and three robberies. He had also breached two suspended jail sentences. William Dudley defending Lamb said the action of hitting the victim over the head was half-hearted. 
Laura Coton, defending the Coton, said it was clearly a sporadic, impulsive, short-lived incident. Sentencing the pair, Her, Her Honour Judge Shannon Gilmore said this was a vicious, unprovoked assault, targeting a vulnerable victim in a public place. Judge Gilmore jailed Cowton for four months, suspended for 18 months. The judge ordered Cowton to complete 80 hours of unpaid work, nine months of alcohol treatment and 20 rehabilitation activity requirement days. Lamb was jailed for 10 months. The judge saying his sentence would not be suspended. Mansfield was due to be back sentenced with the rest of the gang on Wednesday, but at the start of the hearing his advocate, Belinda Harris, told the court the defendant had turned up drunk and security guards had decided he could not be let into the building due to safety considerations. The judge allowed his sentence to be postponed until yesterday. When Mansfield returned, Judge Gilmore gave him a three-month jail sentence suspended for 18 months with a requirement to complete nine months of alcohol treatment. This is the headline from um, Saturday and Sunday, January the 20th and the 21st. The scale of dental crisis laid bare. Disgruntled patients are finding it almost impossible to register with an NHS dentist in Worcester as the scale of the deepening dental crisis is laid bare. Adults and children will struggle to register with an NHS dentist in Upton, Evesham and Stourport as many are no longer taking new patients. But in Worcester, that task has now become almost impossible. According to the latest figures on Find a Dentist confirmed by a ring road around the city dental practices where that information was unavailable online. The only practice taking on new patients is the Bullring Dental Practice in St John's. However, some practices in the north of the county are taking new patients, suggesting a postcode lottery with Worcester having far poor levels of success. NHS England delegated dental services together with pharmacy and optometry services to each of the Midlands. April last year, Mr Walker was seeking reassurances from local commissioners, NHS, Herefordshire and Worcestershire, the Integrated Care Board, IBC, who now hold the purse strings for the local dental care, that more NHS provision will be made available. A dentist at Gentle Care in London Road in Worcester has written to patients saying he will no longer be taking private patients from February the 1st. Controversial decision exposing wider concerns about access to NHS dentistry in Worcester, including children. Tom Collins, who hopes to become the city's next Labour MP, has described the situation in the city as a crisis and NHS dentistry to be on the verge of collapse. However, the city's incumbent Conservative MP, Robin Walker, who has also expressed concern, says that there is money in the pot and is chasing the NHS commissioners for answers with his last response from them in October.
Mr Collins, speaking on Thursday after meeting NHS leaders, said, It is now impossible for any adult to register with an NHS dentist in the city. No practices are taking NHS patients anywhere in Worcester and I am hearing from residents who are losing their existing places. Part of the problem seems to be that it tends to be individual dentists tend to take on NHS work at any given practice if that person steps away from NHS work. Then patients are left without access to the NHS dentist. Shockingly, some are then being told that they will be deregistered because they have left too long between checkups. In reality, dentists can't afford to do NHS work anymore. The payments and targets that dentists receive were set over 15 years ago and the government hasn't adapted to keep them up with changes in patients' needs and the workforce. The system now needs a major project to restore NHS dental access. Wes Streeting, Labour's Shadow Health Secretary, has promised to create 700,000 more emergency dental appointments a year and to make the first step. Meanwhile, a publicly available list suggests no city dentists are taking NHS patients at all. NHS lists show that many Worcester dentists in the city are not accepting new NHS patients, including Bupa, Dental Care in St Mary's Street, Epworth House Dental Surgery in Shrubbery Avenue, Gentle Dental in London Road, St John's Dental in Malvern Road, Bandle Dental Service in Ombersley Road, Abbotsbury Court Dental Practice in St Peter's, and my dentist at Anchorage Green, Warnden Villages. Some dentists had not supplied recent information on whether they were taking NHS patients, but our own inquiries revealed that Beaches Dental was also not taking NHS patients. Some practices outside the city are taking NHS patients for example, Worcester Road Dental Practice in Droitwich and Dental Clinics in Droitwich, which are both accepting children aged 17 and under. Kidderminster also has places. Stanley Dental Practice, Denora Sutton Park Dental Centre are accepting new patients. However, the situation in Worcester, where practices are not taking new NHS patients, is replicated elsewhere in the county, including Malvern Hills Dental Care, Upton Dental Surgery in Tunnel Hill, Grafton House, Dental Surgery in Evesham, Bupa Dental Care in Pershaw, Mercian House Dental Practice in Stourport, Milton Dental Surgery in Stourport and Arrowsmith Dental Purse Practice in Stourport are also not taking new NHS patients. A spokesperson for NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire said, Responsibility for arranging NHS dental care was delegated to NHS Herefordshire 
and Worcestershire from NHS England in July last year. This means that we now have the opportunity ourselves to address the gap in local NHS dental services that has grown over the past 10 years, fixing this issue and ensuring that we increase the availability of NHS dental provision for local residents is a key priority for us. Unfortunately, this isn't something that can be resolved immediately. Some of the challenges are linked to availability of dentists to improve these services. However, since taking control of NHS dental service, we've all been ready, arranged for extra dental capacity across Herefordshire and Worcestershire and we will shortly be running a procurement to open up additional new NHS dental practices within the county. Monday the 22nd of January. Man who threatened to paralyse woman jailed. Mum feared for life in horrific attack by ex. A brave mum beaten black and blue by her ex-partner feared she would die in front of her children during the horrific attack. Ellie Baker, 22, feared she was going to die when attacked by her former partner, Blaine Taylor, as he threatened to paralyse her at her home in Hallow, near Worcester, punching her, kicking her, throttling her and stamping on her. Taylor, who stamped on the head of mum of two, Miss Baker, has now been jailed for three years. When released, he will be subject to a lifelong restraining order. Taylor, 23, of James Close, Worcester, was sentenced at Worcester Crown Court after he was found guilty of two counts of assault occasioning actual bodily harm. The court heard how Taylor repeatedly punched and kicked his victim on August the 22nd last year. During one attack, he banged her head on the floor multiple times while holding her down with his knee on her chest and hand around her neck. On another occasion, he forcibly held her head under a shower, repeatedly stamped on her head and said, I'm going to carry on until you're paralysed. Today, Miss Baker shared shocking photos which show the extent of her injuries, including bruising to her shoulders, hands, arms and face. Miss Baker described leaving her hallow home on a stretcher and having to have a neck brace fitted, although she fears it is the psychological scars that will never heal. It was domestic violence over two years, and there was a handful of serious assaults in that time, she said. However, it was the last attack in August, which she said was the worst. The whole time, I thought I was going to die in front of my kids. It was horrible. That's the worst part, the part I can't erase from my mind. She described being dragged out of her daughter's bed at 6am before she was punched and kicked in a sustained attack over two hours. When she suffered a bloody nose, Taylor held her under the shower after she went to clean her face. Miss Baker said Taylor had her phone, so she was unable to call for help. During a lull in the attack, she was able to flee the property and seek help from a neighbour. Miss Baker attended Worcestershire Royal Hospital in an ambulance called for by the police. In hospital, she had a CT scan, an MRI scan and an X-ray. She had suffered soft tissue damage but no broken bones. I had 30 lumps and around 100 bruises all over my body. It was horrific. 
I could not lie down for a month because of the lumps on my head, she said. I didn't know where he was. I've become afraid of leaving the house. I was social, but this has taken a massive psychological toll. I feel like I can move forward now, though, even go to Tesco's or something like that without bumping into him. But I don't feel I will ever be the person I was before the attack. It has been completely life-changing. But I know I will get to a better place at some point, she said. Speaking about the sentence, she said, I feel like he should have got longer in prison, but also that he should have been remanded in custody until his sentencing. The sentence was adjourned four times. At the headline um, for Tuesday, the 23rd of January, Jab's plea after measles alert. Warning to parents following outbreak. A measles incident has been declared on the doorstep of Worcestershire as parents are warned vaccination is the best way to protect children from the spreading virus. Further outbreaks of measles will spread from Birmingham to other towns including Worcester, Malvern and Evesham unless urgent action is taken to increase measles, mumps and rubella MMR vaccination uptake in areas of greatest risk. This was a stark warning from the UK Health Security Agency's chief executive during a visit to Birmingham amid a rapid rise in cases in parts of the region since last October. Although there were no reported cases of the outbreak in Worcestershire so far and vaccination rates are high at 90%, concerns are mounting with so many cases right on the doorstep. 216 confirmed so far. The virus can cause pneumonia, meningitis, blindness and seizures. The latest NHS figures show 216 confirmed cases and 103 probable cases in the West Midlands, with more than 50 children requiring treatment at the Birmingham Children's Hospital. Meanwhile, in a joint statement from NHS Herefordshire and Worcestershire and Worcestershire's County Council, a spokesperson said... We do not have any measles outbreaks in the counties currently. <clears throat> the best form of protection for measles is having the MMR vaccine. We're really proud that our vaccination rates are so high in Worcestershire, one of the highest uptake rates in the West Midlands, with over 90%, being vaccinated with two doses by the time they are five years old. To give the best protection to everyone, we need our MMR vaccines, vaccine rates to be even higher. Children who haven't had their MMR are at increased risk of getting this serious illness and it's never too late to catch up if you haven't had your vaccination. The first MMR dose is given at 12 months of age and the second dose is given at three years and four months before starting school. Parents or guardians of children who are not up to date with their doses can still contact their GP practice to book an appointment. Adults who have never previously had the MMR vaccine or have only had one dose can also contact their GP surgery to arrange to catch up with outstanding doses. Dr Jason C. Woodery, a GP previously based in Worcester, said measles has been rising due to low measles, mumps and rubella vaccination uptake. Only 85% of children in 2022-23 to 23 had received two MMR doses by the time they were five, the lowest level since 2010-2011 to 2011, and below the World Health Organization's target of 
further outbreaks of measles will spread to other towns and cities in the West Midlands unless urgent action is taken to increase the vaccination uptake in areas at greatest risk. The MMR vaccine is 99% effective after two doses and it is free. The first dose is given age one and the second at three. However, teenagers and adults who missed out can also get vaccinated. Vaccination rates of about 95% would give the entire population herd immunity, meaning the few who are unvaccinated, such as young babies, are protected because those around them are immune to measles. MMR is very safe and there is no evidence linking it to autism. His warning echoes the words of Professor Dame Jenny Harris, the UK Health Security Agency's chief executive. She, she made last Friday in Birmingham a statement that encouraged communities to urgently take up the offer of the vaccine. As of January the 18th, there have been 216 confirmed cases and 100 probable cases in the West Midlands since October the 1st. If anyone has symptoms of measles, stay at home and phone your GP or NHS 111 for advice. Do not go to GP surgeries or A&E departments so the illness isn't spread to others. This is from Wednesday the 24th. A 13-year-old boy was seriously injured when he was hit by a car and but has not suffered life-changing injuries boy, a pedestrian, was injured after being struck by a car on Ombudsley Road in Worcester, with the road closing for several hours. Cars, cars were left abandoned at the roadside as people rushed to help the teen on Monday afternoon, January the 23rd. Officers closed off a large section of the main road while they launched an investigation and paramedics rushed to the scene of the incident. The air ambulance also landed in a nearby field before the 13-year-old was taken to Birmingham Children's Hospital for treatment. The incident happened near Checkett's Lane and Southall Avenue. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, we received a call around four o'clock yesterday afternoon with a report of a collision between a vehicle and a pedestrian. Officers promptly arrived at the incident on Omsley Road in Worcester. A 13-year-old boy was taken to the Children's Hospital with injuries. The Worcester News understands his injuries are not life-changing and he is in for observation only. The incident happened in Ombudsley Road as police and ambulance crews rushed to the scene with drivers diverted as care was provided to the casualty. A spokesperson for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said we were called at 3.47 to a road traffic collision involving a car and a pedestrian. One ambulance, a paramedic office, Officer, the Midland Air Ambulance from Strencham attended the scene. Upon arrival, we found a teenage boy who was the pedestrian. He was assessed by the ambulance staff and had sustained potentially serious injuries. He received treatment at the scene before being conveyed to Birmingham Children's Hospital. West Mercia Police closed the road and also extended the closure which runs between Beckett Road and Droitwich Road. The road was closed for more than four hours while police were on the scene finally reopen it at 8pm. Initially the road was closed near Checkett's Lane and Southern Avenue before police extended the closure on Ombersley Road to stretch between Beckett Road and Droitwich Road. And this is the headline for Thursday, January the 25th. Please to clear up disgusting mess. A heart charity shop 
volunteer has spoken of her disgust at piles of rotting rubbish crawling with rats while drug addicts have been spotted shooting up by the overflowing bins. Debbie Houghton, a volunteer at Acorn's charity shop at Meal Cheap and Street Worcester, has complained to the environmental health about the state of the yard being um, the shops in the Trinity. Rubbish has been strewn all over the yard, including carrier bags, soggy cardboard boxes, and at times, charity shop volunteers have even seen drug paraphernalia, including used syringes. West Mercia police officers are stepping up patrols in response to the concerns raised by the community. The 65-year-old said she had seen a rat but more of the vermin had been spotted by others on different occasions as she called for an urgent clean-up. Mrs Houghton said, It has been like this for a month. I've seen a rat and I reported it to the environmental health before Christmas. We have also had people using drugs. Plan for day to reflect on Covid losses. The first Sunday in March will be marked with a UK-wide day of reflection as people remember all those who died during the pandemic. March the 3rd will be the first annual day of reflection since the UK Commission on Covid commemoration published its final report in September, recommending the event be held each year on the first Sunday of March. The first day of reflection, organised by the charity Marie Curie, was held in 2021 on March the 23rd, the one-year anniversary of the first lockdown. This year, the charity said the government is supporting its efforts with more than £500,000 towards community events to be held on the day. A minute's silence will be held at midday and Marie Curie said it wants to encourage people to come together to remember and reflect. Culture Secretary Lucy Fraser said... The day of reflection is an opportunity to pay tribute to the loved ones that we lost during the pandemic and I am grateful to Marie Curie for their brilliant work to support events across the country. BBC Antiques Roadshow paid an emotional tribute to Henry Sandon in the television show's latest episode following his death. Mr Sandon died at a care home in Malvern, Worcestershire on Christmas Day last year at the age of 95. The much-loved expert regularly featured on Antiques Roadshow from his first appearance on the show back in 1979 to his most recent in 2018. Viewers of the BBC programme were left in tears as it paid tribute to Mr Sandon in a two-minute montage of his best moments, narrated by the show's presenter Fiona Bruce. We recently received the sad news that Henry Sandon, a member of our expert team, since the earliest days of the roadshow had died, she said. In one clip, Fiona discussed how Mr Sandon moved to Worcester after being evacuated during the Second World War, which would lead to him discovering a lifelong admiration for ceramics. Born in London in 1928, Henry was evacuated during the Second World War and eventually settled in Worcester, where his discovery of Roman and medieval pottery in the garden would lead to a lifelong passion for ceramics. Henry joined the Antiques Roadshow in 1979. His knowledge of porcelain and, in particular, Royal Worcester, was unparalleled. 
The Museum of Royal Worcester issued their own tribute in a statement that said, It is with great sadness we share the news that Henry has passed away on Christmas morning. Our curator and then patron of the museum for many years, a much-loved expert who shared his knowledge and enthusiasm for Potts and Worcester in person, in books and on TV, he will be sorely missed. Mr Sandon was married to Barbara for 56 years before her death in 2013 and together they had three sons, David, Peter and John. The co-op gave away my cat. A cat owner said she is devastated as she claimed supermarket staff rehomed her baby as police investigated whether it constitutes theft. Jade Fellows said she owned Murphy, a pedigree cat, for eight years before a poster went up on the windows at your co-op on Ambleside Drive asking for someone to rehome him. The poster is signed the co-op team. Mrs Fellows claimed staff and customers at the Your Co-op branch under mid-counties began feeding Murphy, which made him visit the store more frequently and came home less often. The Mid-Counties Co-op spokesman declined to comment. However, Mrs Fellows vehemently denies claims made in the poster about Murphy, including that she has zero interest in him. She added that despite telling the store and customers to stop feeding him, they continued, and it had got to the point where your co-op began to look for a new home for Murphy. Murphy was now apparently been rehomed. Your co-op tried to say that we do not look after him, she said. Your co-op came round a week ago with a letter saying he could no longer go into the store and said because we had done nothing about it, they would contact the RSPCA to get him rehomed. Then we then saw the advert and have not seen him since. Since Wednesday, January the 17th, we just know that a lady has now taken him. She added that Murphy was an outdoor cat and preventing him from going into places was hard. He was our baby, she added. Me and my husband have fertility fertility issues, so he is like one of our children. It is heartbreaking. The advert reads, Unfortunately, our co-op cat, Murphy, lovable mascot and only occasionally grumpy, is looking to be rehomed. We have spoken to the owners and they express zero interest in him despite being told the store would be contacting the RSPCA. Worcester News has seen video footage of a family friend of Mrs Fellows inquiring about the advert for the cat in the shop, with a staff member confirming a woman had been to pick it up and the cat had been rehomed. Cats are classed as property under the Theft Act, 1968, which could constitute Murphy being stolen. It would depend on whether Murphy was dishonestly obtained rather than being rehomed for safeguarding purposes. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said... On Sunday, January the 21st, we received a report of a theft of a cat on Ambleside Drive. Inquiries are ongoing. Pubs hit by floods are open again for business as gritty landlords call on customers to help them bounce back now they have weathered the storm. The Rosen Crown in Seven Stoke and the Camp House Inn in Grimley near Worcester are among the pubs open again after both were flooded after two successive storms caused the River Seven to burst its banks. The Lenchford Riverside Inn in Shrawley is also opening again this week after the cellar flooded which meant equipment had to be replaced. First Storm Garrick 
struck on December the 27th and 28th of December last year, followed by Henk on January the 20th. Uh, the twentieth, Lynn Wainwright at the camp said they opened on Monday and were looking forward to welcoming people back. The water seeped up from beneath the tiles in the dart room after Worcestershire was battered by two storms. However, the family has been working hard to clean the pub up and get it ready for customers. Mrs. Wainwright said, "We have got no customers at the moment, but we are open." We welcome anybody to come back as soon as possible. The camp has earned a reputation for a pragmatic approach to flooding. Provided the pub itself is not flooded, they then even put out a boat service to ferry customers to to and from the bar if the waters form a moat around it, which would otherwise cut them off. Though the waters have now receded altogether. Andy Goodall, landlord of the Rose and Crown, also showed his gritty humour when he waded out through the flood water to enjoy a pint of Guinness. However, there is a serious side to the situation too, and Mr. Goodall and other flood-hit businesses do need customers to support them in January, which has, can be quite a, a quiet month for pubs in any event. This Friday, the pubs has its official flood opening party with Dublin Jacks, and also featuring a bloke called Maddie from 8:30 p.m. The pub has been deep cleaned by a specialist and is serving food again. Mr. Goodall said, "We are back open. Some people still seem to think we're closed, but I don't know where they have been living." We are doing food from 5:30 p.m. on Friday. Book a table and come down. Have something to eat and enjoy the free entertainment. Please come back in and support us. It has been tough on us and the staff and everybody else. We appreciate it's the end of January and people may not have any funds, but if you can, please dig deep. And support us. Without our loyal customers, we are nothing, really. Calls to open police station. Calls have been made for a police station to be opened in St John's after a spate of crime in the area. There have even been suggestions that St John's Library could be used as a possible post for officers. Jenny Barnes, who lives with her family in Bromyard Road, is calling on West Mercia Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion to make the investment. She said, "We have in recent times seen an increase in antisocial behaviour and crime. Lots of residents have experienced problems with vandalism, damage to cars, and theft from gardens and property." These crimes undermine local confidence. We need to see local police on patrol. They need to be seen in the heart of St John's. We need more police officers and police community support officers. They need a new base where people can visit and report crimes and discuss their concerns, even if it's not full time and only open for a full few hours a day. She said the library has vacant rooms which are often not used. It could be income for the library, increased footfall, and provide safety and security when the library is unstaffed under the proposals for libraries unlocked. It would be a win-win for St John's. 
We need to bring confidence back to St John's. We need investment from all agencies. I hope the police will see this as an opportunity to tackle a real quality of life issue for St John's residents. St John's County Councillor Richard Udall said, The issues of crime and disorder need to be addressed and a new police station in the heart of St John's would indicate the Commissioner is serious about tackling the problems which we are experiencing. I call upon Mr Campion to meet with both myself and local residents so we can discuss our concerns. I believe public agencies and local authorities should share resources. It saves money and could improve services for local residents. Having a police station in a public library makes perfect sense. I see no reason why it should not happen. Cooperation between the County Council and the police in St John's could achieve real results for local people. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion said, As PCC, I am delivering on my commitment to ensure residents are safe and feel safe. I have provided West Mercia Police with the tools and resources needed to tackle issues, to tackle the issues that matter the most to the public, such as antisocial behaviour. This includes ensuring there is a dedicated local policing team and a police base within St John's, and with record levels of police officers in West Mercia, visibility has increased, and I am confident action is being taken to tackle ASB concerns in the area. A heritage champion is concerned visitors are not able to view a Civil War-era death mask which is central to the city's story because the precious relic lies in a shut-up coffee shop. Daniel Daniels, chairman of the Battle of Worcester Society, wants to safeguard access to visitors to the death mask of William Guise at the former Costa Coffee in the city's high street opposite the Guildhall. The branch closed its doors for the final time on Wednesday, September the 13th, and all staff have now moved into the new location, the former Paper Chase building, also on the High Street. At the rear of the form- former coffee shop is a rare and somewhat macabre survival from the time of the English Civil War, the death mask of William Guise, a local tailor who betrayed the Royalists' plans, helping Cromwell to take Worcester during the Battle of Worcester on September third, 1651. He was hanged for treachery. There is also a replica of the death mask inside the coffee shop itself, with a plaque explaining its historic significance. Mr Daniels said, There is a growing concern within our community regarding the lack of positive engagement from the owner and the estate agents, Johnson Fellows, based in Birmingham, regarding any visits to the William Guy's death mask. The death mask holds immense historical value and we believe that it is crucial that the landlord and their agent fosters a much more open relationship with the community. We have proposed the occasional access be granted to community groups. This would not only be a symbolic gesture of goodwill, but perhaps someone might even consider taking over the lease itself. However, a spokesman for Birmingham-based Johnson Fellows said access is available on request, but that it had to coincide with viewings for new tenants. However, he accepted that there had been a lack of interest in terms of viewings from interested parties, which had an impact on how often the interior could be shown to others. 
The building was previously the Golden Lion pub, with a statue of the animal still sitting on the building's wall. It is believed that the Golden Lion existed as a pub from at least the 16th century. The Grade II listed building was once a medieval merchant's house, believed to have been built in the late 14th or early 15th century. Winter Steam Gala is hailed a success. A new event at the Severn Valley Railway has been declared a winner by organisers. The Winter Steam Gala on January the 6th and 7th saw more than 2,500 passengers and generated twice the hopeful revenue. SVR Managing Director Jonathan Dunster said, yet again we've shown that SVR is second one to none when it comes to enthusiast events. We've never done an event of this sort at this time of year before, but our instincts were that it would be a winner and we were absolutely spot on. It was genuinely overwhelmed by the sheer numbers of visitors and volunteers who thanked me personally for putting this event on in what is traditionally a quiet period for enthusiasts. We definitely got the formula correct, nothing too complicated, and people supported it in their thousands. The weekend saw a packed timetable, including local services stopping at Erdington. The Tor Valley in wartime black-joined pannier tank 7714, which thanks to some remedial work was able to appear at the gala as planned. Meanwhile, 7812 Earlstoke Manor and recently overhauled Stania Mogul 2968 both made their gala debuts. The planned guest locomotive number 2253 Omaha suffered a failure in the final week of December due to a leaky boiler and despite valiant efforts repairs could not be completed in time for the gala. BR Class 4 75069 was prepped to appear on Sunday and so stepped up to cover for Omaha on the Saturday. The weekend also saw the final trip of 43106, the Flying Pig, hauling a special train on Sunday. The bells of Worcester Cathedral rang out at the weekend for a fundraising challenge. The cathedral's bell ringers performed a full peal which lasted four hours between 10am and 2pm on Saturday. The largest bell, weighing a massive two and a half tonnes, was rung by Chris Phillips, who took part in the challenge. The 51-year-old from Lysinton was diagnosed with Parkinson's and raised money for the Parkinson's UK through the challenge. On the Just Giving page, he said... Since being diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2021, I decided to set myself a challenge incorporating my hobby of bell ringing with an attempt to ring the heaviest bell at Worcester Cathedral to appeal. Appeal is a continuous ringing for the sustained period of time, approximately four hours, something that I or anyone that has Parkinson's diagnosis has never completed before on a bell of this size. Through doing this, I wish to raise money for Parkinson's UK, who do amazing research and support for anyone living with this disease. David Bagley, a fellow bell ringer who has known Mr Phillips for over 35 years, said... Parkinson's is a progressive neurological condition causing problems in the brain which get worse over time and there is no cure. 
Instead of resigning himself to the fact that he's got Parkinson's, Chris is more of the opinion that Parkinson's hasn't got him and he has been doing his very best to get on with life. Mr Bagley said that Chris worked on his fitness and stamina to prepare him for the challenge, which he successfully completed. The challenge raised more than £4,000 with a fundraising stall set up in the cathedral for visitors to give give donations, raising even more cash. Parkinson's disease is a condition in which parts of the brain become progressively damaged over many years, according to the NHS. The main symptoms of Parkinson's disease include involuntary shaking of particular parts of the body, slow movement as well as stiff and inflexible muscles. Parkinson's UK funds research into the disease as well as providing information and support to people living with Parkinson's and their families. £50,000 collected from the tree recycling. A record-breaking £50,000 has been collected by St Richard's Hospice from its successful Christmas tree recycling campaign. More than 2,560 Christmas trees were picked up from 15 postcode areas with the help of 185 volunteers divided into 84 teams. This year's total, the biggest in the campaign's eight-year history, will support the hospice's work in Worcester. St Richard's Hospice is an independent charity providing critical care for adults with serious progressive illnesses. It promises to enhance the quality of life for these patients from diagnosis, throughout treatment and during their final days. The charity's vital work extends to supporting the patient's significant others and grieving loved ones. Rhea Siemens, corporate fundraising lead at St Richard's, said, This campaign has gone from strength to strength and I'm blown away to see this year's record-breaking fundraising total. Every penny raised will help us continue to fund our free care for patients living with serious progressive illnesses, their loved ones and bereaved people right here in Worcestershire. Without our brilliant team of volunteers and mapping company Apteen, the immense task of collecting thousands of trees from addresses across the county would simply not be possible. The tree pickup operation spanned four days, starting on Sunday, January the 7th, and including extra collections on Thursday, January the 11th, and Friday the 12th. Volunteers gathered trees from private premises and businesses alike within the WR1 to WR15 postcode areas. In addition to Apteen's logistical input, The campaign enjoyed support from St Peter's Garden Centre. Numerous community organisations also contributed volunteers to the cause. The hospice depends heavily on donations and legacies for the majority of its funding, with the NHS supplementing the rest. The Hive is set to host the Poet Laureate as part of his 10-year library tour of the UK. 
Simon Armitage will visit on the evening of Saturday, March the 9th, as he goes library to library across bustling cities and remote rural communities in a mission to celebrate the community spaces. The Poet Laureate said, I want to celebrate the physical space of libraries and take my work back into places that have been given, me, have been given to me so much. Besides being an Ivor Novello Award winner and a BAFTA recipient, Mr Armitage's con- contribution to literature has also included penning verses for numerous notable occasions, such as the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, for which he wrote a poem titled Floral Tribute. Audiences can look forward to a dynamic performance as the Poet Laureate is set to share the stage with the county's Young Poet Laureate 2023, Amelia Simon. Councillor Marcus Hart, Cabinet Member for Communities at Worcestershire County Council, welcomed the announcement, saying, I am delighted to welcome Simon Armitage to the Hive. Emily Simon, our current Young Poet Laureate, will join him on stage adding a wonderful local touch to the event. This promises to be a captivating celebration of literature. The events will begin at 7.30pm at the Hive Library. Bookings for the anticipated poetry night are crucial as demand is expected to be very high. Tickets limited to two per booking will be available from 10am on Saturday, January the 27th via the Worcestershire Library's Eventbrite page. Uh, that's www.eventbrite.co.uk stroke E Simon Armitage Laureate's Library Tour tickets. All ages are welcome, though parental discretion is encouraged as some poems may contain strong language. As an additional attraction for budding poets, a few tickets will be reserved randomly for entrance to the 2024 Worcestershire Young Poet Laureate competition by Friday, February the 23rd. Learn more about the Laureate Literary Tour on www.simonarmitage.com. Alert over cold callers offering roof repairs. People have been warned to say no to anyone offering unwanted goods or services as cold callers target Malvin. Police have warned cold callers can sometimes be pushy and intimidating as homes in Woodshears Road in Malvin have had unwanted visitors. Rebecca Bullock, the PCSO, said she is warning people following a concern that has been raised by a resident of Woodshears Road regarding suspicious activity of a man door-knocking, offering unwanted services of roof repairs. She said it's important to remain vigilant and inform, and inform to prevent, help prevent crime. We are aware that cold callers that go door-to-door can sometimes be pushing and intimidating, which can lead to accepting their services when they're not required or wanted. Most door-to-door scams involve the selling of goods or services that are either not delivered or of very poor quality. It's likely that you won't get value for money for these goods and services and you may get billed for work you didn't want or agree to. She explained some scammers conduct surveys just to get personal details or as a cover to sell people goods or services they do not want or need. If someone knocks at your front door claiming to be from a company, first check their ID. If you're not happy, don't let them in. Never call the phone number on their ID card to check them 
ask the salesperson to wait outside, shut the door and find the company number on the internet. If they're genuine, they'll understand. Don't feel bad about saying no. Normal businesses understand that people want to shop around and won't try to press you into a decision on the spot. If they do, that's a massive red flag. Anyone who has cold callers at their house and feel like they are suspicious should report it immediately by calling 101. Officers can and do attend streets based on such calls. If anyone who calls tries to enter a home without permission, is threatening or refuses to leave, call 999. The amazing moment a baby rhino was born in the West Midlands Safari Park has been captured on CCTV. Zookeepers were left thrilled after they watched the arrival of the southern white rhino live from behind the scenes at the Bewdley Safari Park. However, staff were forced to step in following a tricky breech birth for the 15-year-old mum, Kaya, after noticing the calf was struggling to stand. After keepers helped the newborn to its feet, she was able to tentatively walk over to her mum and to have her first feed. CCTV cameras captured the baby rhino's first wobbly steps and being gently nestled by his mum. A week on, she is said to be doing, or he is said to be doing really well. Sorry. The calf has been given the African name Malaka, meaning angel, and will join eight other rhinos at the attraction. Lisa Watkins, head keeper, said the team are absolutely over the moon with the safer dry arrival of a female white rhino calf. After a long wait, having had two male calves born in 2021, a female was very welcomed and um, an addition to the crash. Mum, Kaya, is doing a fantastic job of caring for the newborn with an older brother, Jamani, eager to meet his little sister. I am really proud of the team for all their daily hard work and dedication to allow this calf to arrive safe and healthy. We all look forward to showing the new arrival off in the near future, but for now, both mum and calf are spending some important bonding time in the warmth and comfort of their house. Malika's arrival at 1.48am last Thursday makes her the sixth baby white rhino to be born in the attraction in the last eight years. The park is part of the European Breeding Programme aimed at protecting the species classed as near-threatened by an international union for the conservation of nature to watch the footage, visit worcesternews.co.uk. Power cut off faced by 2 million. More than 2 million people will have their gas and electricity cut off this winter because they cannot afford to top up their prepayment meter, Citizens Advice has said. The charity said it was concerned that having no gas and electricity would not be a one-off experience for many after finding that 1.7 million people disconnected at least once a month last year. 
some 800,000 people went for more than 24 hours without gas and electricity last year because they could not afford to top up, leaving them unable to make a hot meal or take a warm shower. The charity raised its concerns after Ofgem announced that it had permitted EDF, Octopus and Scottish Power to return to forcibly fitting prepayment metres after they were temporarily banned after a scandal around the practice. Citizens Advice said it expected this to be its busiest winter for helping people who could not afford to top up, with its latest research suggesting that more than 5 million people live in households that are in debt to their energy supplier, putting them at risk of debt collection and being forced onto a prepayment meter. Its survey found that one in four people cannot afford their essential bills and one in ten households have had to borrow money in the past six months to cover their energy bills. Half of those in debt to their energy supplier have turned off the heating in their homes, while almost three million people live in households where they have skipped meals, cut back on food sold or pawned possessions in the last year to save money to keep their meter topped up. Citizen Advice said it wanted to see urgent reform of the warm home discount, which had failed to keep pace with rising prices and should be increased and made available to a wider range of households. The charity also wants the government to work with Ofgem to develop a joint action plan to deal with energy debt including increased funding for support to help meet spiralling demand. A city-based leukaemia charity is inviting families to light a candle in memory of a lost loved one to mark World Cancer Day. Charity Leukaemia Care, which is based in Blackpool, Worcester, encourages families to come together to share stories of their loved ones, celebrate their lives and remember them while contributing funds for the charity's ongoing activities. Any person who has experienced the loss of a dear one to leukaemia or another form of blood cancer, irrespective of the time that has lapsed since their passing, is very welcome to participate in the event. The event has been organised through Facebook and upon sign-up, participants will be sent a postcard to pen their heartfelt message to a cherished and missed loved one, along with their candle. They also have the option to share the message on Facebook during the candlelight ceremony, scheduled for 8pm on Sunday, February the 4th. The charity asks participants to raise a minimum amount of £50 through their fundraising activities to take part in the commemorative event. Additionally, the charity extends its support via its Bereavement and Loss Support Group via its Facebook page. The online community comprises individuals who understand the unique challenges and pain associated with losing a loved one to leukaemia. Funds raised through this event will be used, used by Leukaemia Care to continue delivering diver, diverse forms of support, like its bereavement services, to anyone affected by the diagnosis. Claire Merritt, the charity's in-memory in and legacy support officer, said, It's very important for us to come together with those affected by the loss of a loved one to leukaemia or another blood cancer not only on World Cancer Day, but also all year round, which is why we're always here to support everyone. 
We understand how important it is, it, it is to provide care after someone passes and we have specialist groups and staff to do just that. Tickets in demand. More than 1,000 sold ahead of the FA Vars showdown. Ticket sales for the Isuzu FA Vars round of 16 clash between Worcester rivals Starport Swifts and Worcester City have surpassed the 1,000 mark. The highly anticipated clash at Walsh's Meadow will likely be played in front of a capacity crowd as only a limited amount of tickets remain. Tickets only went on sale over the weekend, but they have been snapped up at a serious rate of knots by fans of Worcester and Starport as both sides compete for a place in the quarterfinals of the competition on February the 10th. An astonishing day for a small club like ours as we surpass a 1,000 sales in just eight hours, tweeted Swifts. A big thanks again to Worcester City for helping with the ticketing platform. We are now down to just 300 tickets left, and once they are gone, they are gone. On Monday morning, Starport also confirmed that under 100 tickets were left for the City fans. City are matching their best ever run in the tournament by reaching the last 16, while Swifts will be hoping to go one better than their quarter-final achievement back in 2020. Both sides produced impressive performances to come through their fourth-round matches, with City beating Midland Football League Premier outfit Litchfield 2-0 at Clanes Lane, while Swifts got the job done versus Ashby, Ivanhoe, thanks to a 3-1 scoreline. And following the draw made live on TalkSport 2, City drew Stourport away to set up what will be a huge occasion for both sides, with the winner moving to within three games of a Wembley final. Um... Cooper to take on unbeaten James. Worcester boxer Owen Cooper will fight for, for the, both the English and European WBO title at Resorts World Arena, Birmingham, in March. Cooper, who's 22, will take on defending WBO European and English welterweight champion Ethan James as part of the magnificent card. Worcester Amateur Boxing Club product who fights under promoter Frank Warren and Queensberry Promotions currently boasts an unbeaten professional record of 9-3. It promises to be a brilliant night of boxing and those in Cooper's camp will be hoping he can maintain his winning run against the unbeaten James. Regardless, he will be well backed by his large fan base who won't have to travel far. They hope to see him become the new WBO European and English champion. Elsewhere on the card, British middleweight champion Nathan Heaney against English champion Brad Pauls and heavyweight Joe Joyce's return to the ring. Liam Davis, the British WBC international and European champion, will challenge for the IBO World Super Bantamweight Championship when he takes on the holder Eric Rubles, a liar from Mexico. Also, 
at super bantamweight, Commonwealth champion Dennis McCann faces the also undefeated WBO European champion Brad Strand with the vacant WBO intercontinental title on the line. Former WBO international super middleweight champion Zach Parker will take on former WBA world champion Tyron Zoig. Duo finish epic challenge. Two friends have finally completed the gruelling world's toughest row in memory of a city teenager. Matt Bladen and George Farmillo, known as the Worcester Boys, arrived in Antigua after sailing 3,000 miles unsupported across the Atlantic Ocean on Tuesday. The two took part in the incredible rowing challenge to raise money for Acorns Hospice, which looked after Jack Dyer, whose family lived next door to Mr Bladen in Clanes. Jack died in November 2020, age 16. Across the 40 days at sea, the team faced seven metre waves, damaged safety equipment and seasicknesses. But with the lows, the two said they have also experienced highs and saw pods of whales, dolphins and bioluminescence in the water. The pair kept friends, family and followers up to date on their Facebook page, with the most recent posts celebrating their achievement. They wrote, 40 days, 16 hours and 20 minutes. Later, the boys have landed. It marked the end of their insane journey, rowing 3,000 miles unsupported across the Atlantic Ocean, rowing relentlessly in shifts of just two hours on and two hours off. It's been a long 40 days out on sea. And the journey has not been an easy one. The boys have faced broken oar gates, damaged safety equipment, mouldy chocolate bars, seasickness and some of the worst conditions the challenge has ever seen. But still they've powered through, keeping positive and bringing the infectious energy they're known for every step of the way. And of course, with the lows come immense highs. They spotted pods of whales, dolphins and the incredible bioluminescence in the water. Sunsets, sunrises and moonrises were also sights that you just don't get to see anywhere else. But what got them up in the middle of the night to battle yet another shift of seven metre waves, force eight storms or 30 degree heat was the knowledge that they were rowing for a fantastic cause. Acorns Children's Hospice. The boys chose Acorns after a close family friend, Jack Dyer, died in 2020. Jack was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Acorns offer indispensable care to Jack and his family, as they do to many children with life-limiting or life-threatening conditions around the Worcestershire area. The fundraiser is currently on £78,602 at the time of writing. Um, Worcestershire all-rounder Joe Leach has signed a contract extension till the end of the 2025 season. Leach, 33, has just entered his testimonial year with the pairs and has marked the achievement with another year at New Road. The Stafford-born former Worcestershire captain was out of contract at the end of the upcoming season but will now enjoy another year with the county. By the end of 2025, Leach will have spent 13 years with the pairs. 
a mainstay of Worcestershire's attack for several seasons, Leach is eagerly anticipating the challenges and opportunities that lie ahead, none so than the first season back in the Division 1 of the county championships. Having surpassed the 450 wicket mark in first-class cricket last summer, Leach's dedication and skill are undeniable and now he is looking forward to making even more memories. It's fantastic news to sign the new deal alongside what's going to be an exciting year with the testimonial, he said. It's a new era at the club and to have the opportunity to contribute for at least the next couple of years is really exciting. I've still got goals to achieve and this club means a lot to me. It's pretty obvious I'm now going to be a one-club man. Worcestershire head coach Alan Richardson couldn't hide his admiration for Leach, stating it's fantastic that Joe will be with us for at least two more years. What a tremendous career he has had and what a superb performer, far more than 10 years for Worcestershire who fully deserve this year's testimonial. Richardson also highlighted Leach's impressive transformation from a batsman to a bowling mainstay, calling him a team man first and foremost, prepared to put in a massive shift for the team. City chaos. <coughs> Fixtures piling up as matches called off. The busy second half of the season is beginning to look rather chaotic for Worcester City following another postponement on Saturday. The City's Hellenic League Premier clash with Royal Wooden Bassett was called off due to a frozen pitch in Swindon, meaning the game will be pushed back into the latter stages of the season, with Chris Cornsman still in the two cup competitions and the last 16 of the Isuzu FA Vars, City are already facing two games a week for the remaining months and will now have to find space to squeeze in the rearranged game with Wooden Bassett. Saturday's hosts were in fine form heading into the planned fixture, losing just one of their last ten in the Hellenic Premier, a run that has seen them enter the conversation for the title. But City were in similarly good form, still with just one defeat all season in the league, as well as dropping just two points on their travels. City will next be in action on Tuesday night with a short trip to local rivals Pershaw Town in the Challenge Cup before returning to league action on Saturday, away at Slimbridge. A blood test could be just as accurate as painful and invasive lumbar punctures for detecting Alzheimer's disease, research suggests. Measuring levels of a protein called PTA217 in the blood could be just as good at detecting the signs of Alzheimer's and better than a range of other tests currently under um, development, experts say. The protein is a marker for biological changes that happen in the brain during Alzheimer's disease. The new findings have the potential to revolutionise diagnoses for people with suspected Alzheimer's, experts say. In the study of 786 people, the researchers were able to use the ALZ path, PTAU 217 test, to identify patients as likely, intermediate and unlikely to have Alzheimer's disease. 
Dr Richard Oakley, Associate Director of the Research and Innovation at the Alzheimer's Society, said, This study is a huge welcome step in the right direction as it shows that blood tests can be just as accurate as more invasive and expensive tests at predicting if somebody has features of Alzheimer's disease in their brain. Furthermore, it suggests results from these tests could be clear enough to not require further further follow-up investigations for some people living with Alzheimer's disease, which could speed up the diagnosis pathway significantly in future. However, we still need more research across different communities to understand how effective these blood tests are across everyone who lives with it. Suddenly, oh sorry, currently, the only way to prove that someone has a build-up of the proteins in the brain is to have a lumbar puncture or an amyloid PET scan, which are available in only one in 20 NHS memory clinics. And a lumbar puncture involves a needle being inserted into the lower back between the bones in the spine. Dr Shona Scales, Director of Research at Alzheimer's Research UK, said this study suggests that measuring levels of a protein called P-tau-217 in the blood could be as accurate as currently used lumbar punctures for detecting the biological hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease and superior to a range of other tests currently under development. This adds to a growing body of evidence that this particular test has huge potential to revolutionise diagnosis for people. The study from Dr Nicholas Ashton at the University of Gothenburg and colleagues is published in the JAMA Neurology Journal. Record Year of Support A district charity branch is bidding to keep up the momentum after a record-breaking year of fundraising in 2023. Guide dogs, Ledbury and Malvern, flew past the 2022 total with £42,000 as its group coordinator paid tribute to the efforts of volunteers and the support of partners. The funds go to the Guide Dogs charity to help people with sight loss live the life they choose. Ledbury and Malvern branch organiser Debbie Pitts said, I coordinate the group's activities by arranging fundraising events such as collections, fates and open days with our trade stand and work closely with groups, businesses and individuals, raising money through our popular Name a Puppy scheme. We also carry out many talks to schools and community groups, raising awareness of the work carried out by the Guide Dogs charity. 2023 was a record-breaking year for us, testament to the hard work of local volunteers and support from partners. £42,000 has been raised, which was £12,000 more than 2022. It's outstanding the way everyone has pulled together, and to achieve the end result is amazing. Some of our partners for 2023 were Malvern Town Council, Morrisons, Matalan, Busfest, a major Volkswagen transporter festival, the Three Counties Showground, the Co-op in Ledbury, 
Tesco in Ledbury and the local groups of visually impaired Morris dancers so excited Morris. We have already raised 3,500 this year with a calendar featuring our local dogs making £560 so far. It would be lovely if we could find some more businesses in the area to do the Name a Puppy scheme. It helped to raise 50% of last year's total. Town Councillor Nick Houghton said it was a pleasure working with Debbie and her team of volunteers from guide dogs Ledbury and Malvern during my second year as Malvern Mayor. The team at the council, led by Linda Blake, raised £12.5 million, a record-breaking amount for the mayoral charity, and have named two guide dog pups under the name of Puppy Scheme. They are Nessa and Elgar. Anthony Hornby, community champion at Morrison's in Malvern, said, We work closely with guide dogs Ledbury and Malvern Group. In 2023, a total of £3,742 was raised through bucket collections and £2,005 towards us naming a puppy called Morrie. A charity partnership has seen Midlands Air Ambulance Service provided with bespoke OEX jackets from JD Outdoor. The Air Ambulance Charity received more than 220 donated deluxe waterproof and down jackets. The charity was founded in 1991 and has helped bring advanced skills, medicines and hospital level equipment to patients at the site of the incident, enhancing their chances of survival and recovery in the process. It is over three decades of activity the charity's mission count exceeds 70,000 delivered via one of three air ambulances or a critical care car fleet classifying the organisation as one of the busiest pre-hospital air ambulance-led services in the UK. These services extend over six Midlands counties, Gloucestershire, Herefordshire, Shropshire, Staffordshire, including Stoke-on-Trent, the West Midlands and Worcestershire, an area covering over six million people and a hectic motorway network, making it the largest air ambulance operating patch in the UK. CEO of JD Outdoor, Lee Bagnall, said Midlands Air Ambulance Services are heroic in their actions, attending over 4,000 patients a year and saving lives daily. It is an honour to work with the team and by donating jackets we hope to reduce costs which can instead be invested into new life-saving equipment. As an organisation that is reliant on donations, working with Midlands Air Ambulance Services means that any funds raised can be directed to the core purpose of saving lives. Our OEX jackets provide a warm, waterproof and comfortable uniform for the Midlands Air Ambulance staff, allowing them to work in all weather conditions. Mr Bagnall added, supporting Midlands Air Ambulance Services not only supports the workers but also the well-being of the Midlands community, making a significant impact on the lives of individuals and families facing life-threatening emergencies. A museum devoted to a Worcestershire regiment has been awarded a lottery grant of more than £240,000 as it prepares to move to a new home. The Mersham Regiment Museum has been awarded a grant of £243,000 by the National Lottery Heritage Fund 
as the collection moves to a new base. It is a museum housing a collection of over 20,000 objects that tell the story of one of Britain's oldest infantry regiments, which has fought in all main major conflicts from its founding in 1694 until the withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2014. The grant will help develop the Worcestershire soldier at the commandery in Sidbury, Worcester. Dr John Paddock, curator of the Mershon Regiment Museum, said, We are absolutely delighted that we've received this support thanks to the National Lottery players. The Worcestershire soldier will cast fresh light on the lives, achievements, tragedies and triumphs of the generation who preceded us and to whom we owe so much. Uniting the Worcestershire soldier with the commandery is an inspiring project and it is great to know that we are a step closer to preserving the museum. Robin Llewellyn, Director, England, Midlands and East at the National Lottery Heritage said, "By, By bringing these histories together, the project aims to create new opportunities to engage with communities with heritage and spark meaningful dialogue. The Mershon Resident uh, Regiment Museum in Worcester, in partnership with Museums Worcestershire and the Worcestershire Yeoman Trust, has received initial support from the National Lottery Heritage Fund for the Worcestershire Soldier at the Commandery. It was announced today. This may was made possible by the National Lottery players. The project aims to relocate the Worcestershire Soldier Gallery from its current location within the Worcester City Art Gallery and Museum to the Commandery, one of the city's oldest buildings, which tells the story of Worcester's role in the English Civil War, linking together a history of soldiers from the city and county over four centuries. The lottery funding has been awarded to help the museum and its partners progress their plans to apply for a full delivery grant in summer 2025. The new enhanced storytelling, more opportunities for volunteering and lifelong learning and community engagement, alongside a focus on more inclusion and greater well-being, will create an improved visitor experience designed to attract more general and school visitors to the commandery, as well as the Worcestershire soldier story. Uh, So that's the end of the articles this evening, and we do hope that you found something of interest in there. Um, A very varied selection tonight, and we'd like to say all, uh, all to say good night to you all, and take care and keep very well, and keep warm too. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Uh, The thought for the day uh, today comes uh, from, uh, let me see, um, Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. 
and the obituaries this week. Mary Day passed away on the 9th of January, aged 82 years. Her funeral service is at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 1st of February at 12.15pm. Uh, it's family flowers only, but donations if desired for the acute stroke unit. Uh, it says, please make cheque payable to Worcestershire Acute Hospitals Charity. Or the money, if you wish to leave money, can be left at the collection plate at the crematorium. Or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. Mavis Crouch, formerly of Tunnel Hill, has died at home on the 9th of January, aged 90. Her funeral is to be held at Porchester Crematorium, Fairham in Hampshire, on the 19th of February at 12.45pm. Family flowers only, but donations to the RAF Benevolent Fund can be made at www.funeralcare.co.uk tributes and donations or cheques may be made payable to the RAF Benevolent Fund, care of the Cooperative Funeral Care, 147 Stoke Road, Gosport, PO12 1SE. Pamela Williams, knee guard, passed away on January the 13th, aged 73 years. Um, her funeral service will take place at Pershaw Cemetery Chapel on Monday, the February, February the 5th at 10am, followed by burial. Uh, donations in Pamela's memory are invited for Dogs Trust. These may be sent to E. Hill and Son Funeral Directors, Pershaw, WR10 1HZ. Jeremy Cummings, known as Jerry, of Whitbourne, passed peacefully away on the 14th of January, aged 85 years. Uh, the funeral will take place at St John the Baptist Church, Whitbourne, on Friday the 26th of January at 11.30am, so that's tomorrow. Um, donations if desired for St John the Baptist Church and Parkinson's UK. Inquiries to Emma Booston Funeral Services, 3 New Road, Bromyard, HR7 4AH and the telephone number is 01885 Barbara Dawson passed away on the 6th of January, aged 84 years. A funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on the 2nd of February at 1.45. Donations in memory of Barbara to Midlands Air Ambulance or to St Richard's Hospice, care of Jackson Family Funeral Directors, Worcester, WR11JA. Alan Bromage passed away at Juniper Care Home on Saturday 23rd of December, aged 88 years. His funeral will take place on Tuesday the 30th of January at Worcester Crematorium at 10.45am. Donations, if desired, can be left in the donation box provided or sent directly to Dementia UK or Alzheimer's Society. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors St John's. Telephone 01905 947 272. Ninetta Ad Adoricio um, 
passed peacefully away and it doesn't give oh it does it on the 14th of january <clears throat> requiem mass at st george's roman catholic church on thursday february the 1st at 12 noon followed by interment at astwood cemetery inquiries please to av band funeral directors telephone number 012892 jean edwards uh, died on the 14th of january aged 102 years her funeral service will be held at st george's catholic church one sanson place worcester wr11 ug on the 7th of february at 12 noon Flowers may be sent to AV Band and donations if desired to Site Concern Worcestershire. All inquiries to AV Band Funeral Directors, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11UW. John Davies uh, passed away peacefully on the 30th of December, aged 87 years. Funeral service at St Peter's Church, Inkbarrow, on Wednesday the 31st of January at 11am. Family flowers only, but donations for Parkinson's UK may be left on the collection plate at the church or sent to EJ Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. May Morag passed away on the 13th of January, aged 94 years. Funeral service will be held at St George's Roman Catholic Church on the 16th of February at 12pm. And donations are for St George's Roman Catholic Church and they may be sent to AV Band, 41 St Nicholas Street, Worcester, WR11UW. Janet Whitcomb from Kemsey passed peacefully away on the 6th of January at home, aged 83 years. Funeral service to take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 2nd of February at 1pm. Donations, if so desired, will be gratefully received for Dementia UK. Dress to be casual and colourful, please. All inquiries to Co-op Funeral Care, 17 Lowesmore, Worcester, WR12RS. Bernie Keegan, or Bernice Keegan, um, passed peacefully away on the 20th of December, aged 87 years. Funeral service is to be held at Wire Forest Crematorium on Wednesday the 24th of January at 3.30pm. Family flowers only. All inquiries to AV Band Droitwich Spa, telephone 01905 794675 Josephine Derry passed away peacefully on the 8th of January aged 88 years a funeral service will be held at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 30th of January at 11.30am donations please to Cancer Research and Dementia UK they may be sent to AV Band 41 St Nicholas Street Worcester WR11UW up until the day of the funeral. Francis Jeans, knee green of Ombersley, passed away peacefully on the 29th of December, aged 88 years. 
funeral services at Worcester Crematorium on Wednesday the 24th of January. Well, unfortunately, that was yesterday. But um, if uh, you wish to send donations or contact anyone, uh, the donations are for Cancer Research UK um, and uh, EJ Gummery and Son, 68-70, to 70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU. They were the funeral directors involved, so they will be able to help you with any information. Joan Morrish passed away peacefully in hospital on the 9th of December, aged 88 years. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Macmillan Cancer Support may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium, which is the Vale Crematorium, on Thursday the 25th. That was today. Um, so again, it's E.J. Gummery and Son, 68-70, Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR37EU, and they will help you with any inquiries. And Lionel Mills... Um, died peacefully on the 22nd of December. Um, this gentleman had quite a history. He was an artist, a lecturer for the Art Foundation course at Worcester Technical College for many years uh, and a Chartered Society of Designers, fellow, fellow of the Chartered Society of Designers. His funeral will be held at Worcester Crematorium today, sadly again it was today, um, but inquiries to Co-op Funeral Service, Lowesmore, telephone number 01905 22137. <laughs> And now some useful telephone numbers that uh, you might find helpful. Peter will read those for you. Police Non-Emergency 101, Police Emergency 112 or 999, NHS Direct 111, Crime Stoppers 0800 555 111, Worcester Hub 01905 765 765, Worcestershire County Council here to help 01905 768 053 option 3. Prevention Team for Fire, 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline, 0800 980 Sense Adventures, Walking for Visually Impaired, D. Jones, 07920 144614 or uk. Samaritans, double one six one two three, Worcester Live, O one nine o five six double one four two seven, Malvern Theatres, O one six eight four eight nine double two double seven, Worcester Wheels for Transport, O one nine o five four five o six five four, that's from eight thirty to four thirty. Link Nurseries at Poic have a session or visually impaired on Friday morning. All Friday mornings. Telephone 01905 for more information. In the event of a power cut, dial 0800 917-7953. There is a priority service available. You can register for free. Dial 0800 032 8302 
to contact National Grid in an emergency and from any location dial 105. That's all. Thank you.